Yeah, I was just, I was outside today. I was working outside because my dog was being naughty, so I had to be out there. But I noticed the weather change. It, it felt warm today. It felt warm to me. So I was kind of wondering what everyone was sort of looking forward to with the summer and the weather change, um, kind of what your summer activities are. Anybody want to start? Yeah, I want Matthew to go. He looks really bizar- uh, bitter about the heat, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've done everything I can to get away from heat. Uh, so, I am I mean, I'm looking forward to hiking, uh, golf again. Uh, that's pretty much it for the list. Uh, but working fully remotely, I barely leave the house anymore still. So, I mean, even hiking and golf, fantastic. <laughs> I I think the the big one for me is um, my wife, um, her her name is Tara, and and she is the epitome of Tara mean earth. So we have to be outside all the time, which over the years I've gotten very, very used to it. And I just love being outside. So um, I got a dog as well. She wants to constantly be outside. Every time I get up, she runs to the door like, cool, let's go to play. Um, so I like being outside. I like feeling the warmth. It, we live in Minnesota, so it's cold as hell for six months out of the year. So being able to be outside for a while is is really nice and refreshing. Yeah, I, I guess for me, um, I, I have people installing AC here today. So uh, sorry if there's any noise, but I guess I'm really <laughs> looking forward to enjoying AC because I never had that at my house here. Um, but otherwise... Uh, I'd say I've been really itching to start up the classic cars here. You know, I've got two of those and um, they're just waiting to get out on the road. So. Nice. Sunroof Sun is a good one, too. Sunroof. Sunroof. Yeah, on my I'm kind car, of a, I actually along... have a bubble roof. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. I'm along the lines, too, of Tara. I love being outside. I just took up kayaking last year, so I love doing that. Mm. I have two young boys, so anytime that we can get outside doing some type of sports thing and having a patio and just enjoying the sun with a good book and music and some cold beverages is always a good good thing. Did you learn how to roll your kayak so far? I haven't yet, so um, I don't know if I want to try it. Going to stay stationary, stay upright, and just do what I need to do yeah you'll either learn how to uh roll your kayak or learn how to hold your breath so I know (laughs) (laughs) maybe that'll be something I'll try we'll see not on purpose (laughs) yeah I don't know if I'm brave enough to to learn how to kayak but yeah I'm you know I'm looking forward to be on the patio um I've got some friends who have like a pool so I like to just go sit by the pool you know it's not as busy as a beach but you get kind of the same feeling so that's sort of what i'm looking forward to this summer um and today on our tech for business podcast we're also looking towards the future specifically vcso planning and budgeting um not as exciting as golf i guess it depends on who you are but it's just as important tara and myself are joined by todd our coo and CISO. Matthew, our GRC analyst, and Nate, our director of cybersecurity. And I think the obvious question is, what is a VCSO? But more importantly, how do I know if it's right for my business? Yeah, I guess I could just start with what it is, uh, and then we can kind of expand out from there. So uh, CISO is an acronym, so CISO, uh, so it's a Chief Information Security Officer. 
So this is someone who in your organization is typically responsible for the oversight of all security uh, within the environment. So we see different uh, derivatives of this, you know, floating around. You might see something like a chief risk officer, chief security officer that maybe incorporates physical security. Um, but at the end of the day, it is someone who is focused on mitigating risks to the business. Um, and with the CISO is focused specifically on uh, data security for the most part. Um, and then once you start adding in the V, that's where you start coming into the, the term of like a virtual CISO, or uh, you may have also heard other types of names coming across such as fractional CISO. Um, so it's really intended to say, small organizations typically can't afford a traditional CISO in their organizations. You know, these roles tend to pay, you know, 200,000 plus. Um, and so it, it's extremely expensive for a small business to try and afford that internally. But they are still being asked to be held to the same standards of these larger organizations. And so that's where uh, virtual CISO, fractional CISO um, can help augment uh, that organization by paying essentially for a sliver of that person's time. Um, and then, you know, maybe they don't need full time, but maybe they need, you know, four hours a week or four hours a month, something along those lines to truly help move the business forward, ensure that they are still compliant uh, with you know, whatever regulations that they're adhering to, or maybe just simply driving initiatives that they're looking to drive regardless of compliance or not. So, yeah, I'll, I'll tally on that real briefly. I was I was giving essentially that same overview to um, a, a, I think it was a friend or acquaintance, and they said, Aren't, "Don't we just call that a consultant?" I said, "We do." <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but Nate Nate summarized it quite well. We the the virtual CISO is a consultant, and like he said, it's it's somebody that you would bring in if you can't afford it, don't want to afford it, or even potentially in a transitionary period too. So if they potentially had a security leader and then needed to be able to transition from one to another, you could potentially lean on a virtual CISO to, to come in and help out. The, I guess I could maybe talk a little bit more about what a virtual CISO even does in the first place. And I'll keep this very, very high level. We can dive a little bit deeper into this uh, if we want, but um, typically this person will sit up at the executive level uh, with your teams. So uh, the higher engagement they have with your executive staff, the more impact that'll have to your organization, uh, more trust between the, the two parties um, because We've seen this before where someone wants to bring in a virtual CISO, but they tend to be uh, only interacting with the IT staff. Um, that's not a great spot for this. Uh, it really does need to be up at you know the, the board meetings, the director meetings, wherever your organization has that structure. It should be very, very deeply involved communicating with uh, you know the CEOs and everything like that. Um, we've had customers that utilize this VCSO service and they said, I am now your employee. So if you tell me uh, if there's something wrong, I'm accountable to that. And then likewise, if that, you know, IT director or whoever is not following the recommendations that are coming through, giving that consultant the power to go back to the board and say, 
there's an issue here. One of your staff isn't doing what they should be doing. So um, that's the mindset that you should place on this type of role. Yeah, I, I believe. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to jump in real briefly. Um, one of the things that Ariel asked at the beginning was, is it right for what businesses? And I, I think the answer is, in my opinion, and, and granted, I have the title and this is what we do for a living. Um, my opinion is if you don't have a CISO or somebody that's leading it, you need a virtual CISO. And that would just be my take on it. Now, not every company is going to agree to that. So um, you can potentially, and this is kind of what Nate was getting at too, is you have that variable aspect of having an outsource where they don't have to be on site all day, every day. So they don't have to be a 40 hour individual. Um, but almost every organization, and we're seeing this transition more and more, and that that flywheel is is really starting to tip, if you will, or the tipping point is getting in there, whatever uh, version of that concept you want to get into is going. But we're seeing more and more of this happen where people are asking you to have that person that is the go-to, the one that sets the vision that makes sure that it's happening. And you're seeing it come up in compliance industries. For example, SEC has got a proposal out there that says every organization should have a CISO, which Nate mentioned. There aren't a lot of them. They're very expensive. Um, oddly enough, we can probably get into this tangent as well as most CISOs tend to stay at their job for only 24 to 48 months before they move on. Um, and so you've got all these issues that are out there and you need someone to come in and help out with those kinds of things. So in my opinion, pretty much everyone, um, I know I didn't quite finish that thought, but when you're going through things like SEC and whatnot, that stuff all is starting to trickle down. People are starting to hear about supply chain and whatnot. And one of the core things that you're seeing in, in security policies is your security as a partner of mine needs to be at least as good as mine. And if mine says I need a CISO, guess what? You do too. Yeah. Uh, and just briefly on that for uh, for Todd, the not just SEC, but the the FTC guidelines have come through. They're recommending qualified individuals. These fall very neatly into a CISO role. Um, the HIPAA uh, guidelines have a HIPAA privacy officer, which again, works well in a CISO role. Um, the the goal, in my opinion, overarchingly, is, is for this person to keep that security mindset first, whether that's from a compliance perspective, whether it's from a, a web app development perspective, just reminding you that maybe pushing everything out in the way that you're doing may be tempered slightly. <laughs> this This ties in, I think, really well with the the five-year plan and tech budgeting, because a lot of the time when you are doing these things, if if maybe you haven't done them before or you're really expanding into a new a new sector, it's it's not always clear what where your additional costs are going to come from. For instance, web development, app development, all of your pen testing, every part of what you're doing should be reviewed and and tested. Um, those things have increased costs that can grow depending on the size of what you're doing or where it's going to. Uh, on top of that, um, maybe you're just moving into the HIPAA field when previously you hadn't. Maybe you've just purchased an organization or something like that, and suddenly you have to see how much of your business meets this. Well, where do you start doing it? Uh, one of the biggest things I see when I'm doing compliance work is people overscoping the work they have to do. So they'll hear HIPAA and they'll try and apply it to everything their organization does instead of just the parts that it's relevant to. That can blow out your costs and a CISO can significantly cut down on what you need to do and get done. Uh, we've had 
situations where I've actively learned how to tell people to fully remove things from their environment because they don't need them anymore and they haven't had to meet certain guidelines they thought they did before. Uh, those types of savings are <laughs> incredibly useful to the business and can sometimes even make up any cost you would have incurred in hiring the CISO in the first place. Um, so that five-year plan and, and part of what we're talking about with this budgeting is that while the cost of the CISO itself is is important here, um, their job is also to work for your business, right? It's not just about making sure there's the right amount of money set aside. It's also about making sure that even as a consultant, their, their promise is to do their best for your business. I had a lot that I was thinking of there. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pieces I was going to jump off into there. Um, I, I guess maybe one of the other things I just wanted to talk about, um, right, is a, a VC. So, so if you are engaging with a consultant, uh, one of the benefits that I would say is uh, really kind of front of mind uh, for me is that we see a lot of different environments. Um, and so, for example, if it's, um, you know, financial industries, right, they say, how do I compare to my peers? It's not just let's use these metrics that are floating around in the tools. We can say we are engaged in the executive leadership of, you know, whatever it is, five different banks at any point, 10, 15 banks or whatever we're working with at the time and saying, we know exactly how you stand against all of the other organizations that we're working with you know, either you're behind or you're doing well, right? Or, you know, here's the other areas where maybe some of the other banks are doing a little bit better. Same, you apply that to healthcare and manufacturing. Um, education. Education, right, is we do see many, many different networks. And so if there's something that another organization is maybe doing a little bit better, we can maybe bring some of those ideas, right? We're not going to share trade secrets, but... Uh, we can at least bring some of those ideas to help better the environment. And then, yeah. oh, oh, sorry, I, I, I just wanted to kind of tally off of that because I think that was an excellent point. And one of the things I thought was really kind of the next step on that is as you're looking at it, and hopefully I didn't um, step on your touchdown call, but you get this really big picture perspective, right? So it's not just this is what everybody in your industry is doing. It's also all the other things that are going on. Yeah, the one last thing that I'll uh, touch on there and then maybe we can talk a little bit more about is it right for your business is um, I know that I originally called out with that uh, acronym, the information security. Um, if you haven't seen this before and you're looking to say, you know, what is the broad scope of a general CISO today? Um, there is a resource out on the Internet called the CISO mind map. Um, and so it's something that someone has gone through and just said what's everything that i do on a day-to-day -day basis right and you take a look at that there's it there's physical security there's business processes that they're trying to integrate into hr considerations um, it is a very very broad and overreaching um scope uh, to a degree right um we can focus really really tightly on the generic it services but again a traditional CISO is deeply ingrained with all departments of an organization. So Todd, I know that uh, when we were originally talking, you said 
it's great for every business. Um, is there ones that, you know, specifically, you know, that really truly need it? You know, I know we were talking about uh, finance, healthcare a lot. Any other ones? Yeah, I, like I said, I, I think the ones where you really look at it and you say this is absolutely coming, the SEC to me is one where it's absolutely coming. I know they, they're specifically saying it now. Not everybody falls under the SEC, so those are your publicly traded organizations. But again, to me, it's that vision into the future is if they're doing it, then what? Um, I was reading an article somewhat recently about how boards are really looking for that security expertise. And again, this is an area where the CISO would come into play. As you're starting to get to yearly reports, whether that's something that comes up um, for board members in the finance industry, healthcare, senior living, you name it, almost all of them do this yearly report with their boards and they are looking for that senior leadership. And so, yes, in my opinion, the answer is pretty much everybody needs it. And I know that's that sounds like I have a tremendous ego and I do, uh, but <laughs> Sorry, but but I do see that that's where the trending is going, right? You really see that all these different industries are looking for that expertise. And one of the reasons why I think that that CISO or that virtual one is so important is because, as Nate mentioned, it is you have this broad experience that you just don't get elsewhere. We see so much across so many industries. We just have a different insight now. Again, I think there is a bit of an overlap with an organization that may already have some senior security leader. But pretty much industry-wide, I'll tell you from our experience, we do work with healthcare, we do work with education, we are in real estate, we are working with cities and counties. And so I don't look at any one of those and say, but yeah, they're not asking for our help. They all are. There's a uh, little kind of note that was given to me when I first started in uh, tier one for an MSP. And that was that three years in uh, the technical side for an MSP is the sorry one year in, at a, in the technical side for an MSP is is generally compared to about three years in a corporate environment just because of the sheer scope of things that you'll see um, and the breadth of the knowledge you have to have just to answer a phone call um, organization to organization every thirty minutes <laughs> and obviously that's on the technical side uh, it, it is different here but there's definitely a, a lot more that we see on a regular basis working with so many different organizations than someone who is working just for one uh, across all fields where uh, most people um, have probably heard me say, give me a minute. I need to change my mindset because I've been reading HIPAA documentation all day and need to get into an FTC headspace. Um, those things are, are, are common when you're you know, deep into it, but it's it's still possible and, and still easy to to keep in mind that we have all of this stuff we're pulling from. Um, so yeah. For a slight joke, uh, for those that, that had their ears perk up when Matthew said that you'll grow three years for every one year, uh, cat-net.com slash careers. Uh, we're always hiring. <laughs> so, uh, I love it. But, um, so in terms of, uh, you know, for organizations, I know this the big thing here is, you know, trying to plan out for a VC, so engagement and everything like that. Um, I guess one of the items, you know, so if we're talking about what to keep in mind, right, is, you know, why, why would an organization 
want to really consider having a VC. So I think we've covered a little bit of that, you know, but then, you know, starting to talk about some of the things that you should keep in mind is uh, maybe are you looking for someone with extremely deep level experience of that industry, right? Um, everyone comes from different backgrounds, right? I came from the education manufacturing uh, side of things. Um, you know, healthcare wasn't something that was deeply um, close to me, right? Uh, at the time, uh, I've learned a lot about healthcare over the last, you know, five years that I've been here at CIT and uh, working with other uh, friends that work in healthcare. But I think that's a pretty key component uh, is, are you looking for someone extremely specialized? Because again, we see a lot of different networks, a lot of different uh, industries. Um, if you are looking for the top person that has lived and breathed healthcare for 20 plus years, um, that might be a, a need of hiring someone dedicated. Otherwise, uh, if you're looking for someone that does bounce around a, a little bit more, uh, VC, so it would be a great consideration. You're yeah, getting, at least getting started. I'll expand on that a little bit. I, I think um, I was going to start it out as, do you need one? I think the answer is, is you'll know it when you see it. Um, typically, how most of our engagements start is, as as Matthew mentioned, something's coming down the pipe, and it's almost always compliance. Unfortunately, the people that work in the compliance industries probably don't love compliance, but there is reason behind it. And now they're being, for all intents and purposes, forced to, to move forward. And he had mentioned, um, you know, you've got a named a person that's going to be in charge of this. And you may look internally and go, I really do not have that individual on my staff. I don't have them. I don't have time for the person I would normally dedicate, et cetera. And so you start looking and going, well, what are our options? And and this is where I was going to go next is to Nate's comment is if you're looking for that specialized individual that's got 20 years of experience, I got news for you you're really going to have a hard time finding that individual and they're going to be extremely expensive when they're that specialized. I think we started out the podcast and I know this is a little bit of a repeat, but there aren't a lot of them out there. They just aren't. Um, we've got another podcast that just recently came out of, of what the cybersecurity uh, talent pool looks like and it's grim. I mean, there just aren't enough people for it and CISOs fall into that category as well as they're hard to find. And I mentioned they tend to jump a lot. So you throw buckets of money after them and then they're gone after two years. It's a big deal. It's really hard to get after it. So that would be where I'd start with the consideration is I have things I have to do. I have to name an individual to be in charge of my program and I can't find them or I can't afford them. So that's typically how it starts for what we're seeing. Sorry, one other thing that I came to mind in terms of what to keep in mind is, so this is dedicated to VCSO, um, is there are a lot of different VCSO packages out there um, that sometimes I wouldn't really call it a VCSO, right? Is you're buying a package of services that have been bundled into that rather than hiring that specific person with this uh, expertise in the um, the overall governance of the environment. So we have seen other VCSO packages coming through, um, you know, from our customers that moving from one to, you know, even here at CIT where their original VCSO package just contained things like vulnerability scanning, maybe a penetration test, um, maybe a couple policy revisions, but that was it. 
right? Uh, it didn't meet with the executives. It didn't come into what does your three-year budgeting look like? You know, where is the deficiencies of the gaps or overlaps of your security tools in your environment? Um, so take that in mind as it, it really need to do your due diligence on finding a solution that uh, really is meeting what the needs of the organization are. Yeah, I, I do, again, go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that in my little ramble before, I tried to cover way too much. Um, but a, kind of what Nate said is where I was going with that is there is so much here that if you haven't planned for what it is that you're looking for, then a VCSO is a great place to start, um, especially, and not to toot our own horn here, but we know what we're looking at. We know these, these environments. And so when you're planning ahead, you're not just planning for how much is this VC so going to cost? What else are they going to make us pay for? You, there's entire things that are involved in a VC so being able to do that job. There's tools, there's a, a, the awareness of, of what to actually look for in the first place. And sometimes that budgeting and putting together a budget even for you is part of that. <laughs> so um, there's there's a lot that can be done in there and it's it does feel maybe like a creeping cost or something that's that's a little overwhelming. Um, but keep in mind that the the FTC, I think, is probably the best example of this because they've given numbers to a lot of what they've done. Um, but the FTC said that an organization implementing a qualified individual and all the tools they recommend for FTC guidelines will run upwards of $100,000 over the first year if they do it themselves. And that's if you have someone on staff already who's going to know a lot of what this documentation is, which please go back and listen to the FTC podcasts that we've already done, in which I go into far too great a detail about it. Um, <laughs> but there is so much there that can seem overwhelming, but it's not if the person that's helping you already knows it can explain it that way for you. Yeah. yeah, that was where I was going to go with it, too, is because we were kind of getting into what does it look like to budget for the CISO and, and um, Nate kind of outlined, too, is in some packages you're not getting a lot. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because you have to start somewhere. And so if you're just looking at, well, I need a, I need a ballpark just to get going, something like that may make sense. You may need a couple of, of policies. You may need an instant response plan because your insurance company is asking for it. You may need a data protection policy or DPA or whatever the case may be. You may need a couple of things and that might be just enough to get you going and that's okay. But one of the things that we we're ultimately looking for, I, I think I had a little blip there. I hope I didn't drop out. Um, one of the things that you're going to ultimately look, look for is a five-year plan. And as you're looking at that, that was kind of what Matthew is kind of getting at. Is it may occasionally feel like you're on a treadmill trying to keep going, but a good CISO will help you with that and say, you're starting here. We want to get here. And the business typically defines that, right? When we get engaged, the conversations are, where are we going? And that could be everything, right? It could be, we're planning to expand. We're planning to move into a new location. We plan to bring on a new product line. Whatever the case may be, that CISO needs to be engaged in that aspect going, okay, I see where the business is going. Because we're doing that, these are the things we need to be considering to protect our data, protect our reputation, et cetera, et cetera. And you start to build out that plan. Sometimes it's tools, sometimes it's processes, but all of that comes into play as you're budgeting A, for the tools, the individuals. And like Matthew said, there's a really nice roadmap from the FTC that kind of goes, start here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot of the time, and just briefly, they... When you think about tech budgeting, people are thinking about computer replacements. 
um, they're thinking about forced upgrades or having to get to a certain point. And sometimes, and, and I've had this experience, there's people who are still using XP because it just works. Um, and then they get a Windows 11 PC for the first time and realize that things can be a million times faster than they were. And it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, but a lot of times that cost can seem, I want to say slightly vindictive, like it's almost as if they're punishing you for using computers in the first place. Um, but there's a reason for that. And it's, it is, it is that security side. And so having someone who's got that as the forefront and is kind of arguing for that, keeping that in mind and then budgeting around that, taking that internally to the organization and having that as a, a thought process that's always there, accepting that as a cost and then budgeting with that mindset is kind of the biggest thing that I've seen change the way an organization works within the space. Yeah, in terms of budgeting um, and for a VC, so I guess the one other thing that, you know, Todd and Matthew, I'm kind of blending a couple of thoughts that uh, <laughs> that you guys were talking about, but um, is every organization uh, sits somewhere on the spectrum of security maturity. So either you're very, very far behind or you're already a very extreme, uh, extremely mature organization today. And so that's where I'm going to say the cost of hiring that CISO might also scale a little bit um, because we've come into some, right? All they need is a little bit of guidance along the way or Todd you know, had mentioned earlier is Maybe there's someone departing and we're just filling in as an interim role uh, to just float through the next hire that they have. Um, we've had other organizations where they say, you know, they're working with the DOD. They've got a $2 million uh, deal that they need done. And they said, how much is it going to cost for, you know, something like a VC? So or the security uh, practices to get them up to that speed to be able to land that $2 million deal. The cost is irrespective at that point, right? Because they know the deal is done. They just have to be compliant along the way. And so it, those are the ones where there's going to be a significant more effort there. But again, it has to tie back to um, the business and making sure that, number one, you're compliant with whatever regulations you have. And number two, is this being used to drive your business forward rather than just seeing as a, another uh, cost sink? And then Sorry, this is one other thing uh, that that I'm gonna maybe I should have just saved for my uh, closing thought here because this is now a little slight tangent, so I apologize. But um, oftentimes a CISO reports again to a CEO. Um, there's a lot of debate about this. Uh, sometimes someone wanted to report to a COO, a CIO. Um, and getting to the point where making sure that there's not a conflict of interest, right? And it, I kind of mentioned that earlier is if the IT department isn't doing something in a secure fashion, there should be another avenue to be able to still report that along the way. So um, at least <laughs> uh, put a little consideration in to where do you want this to sit as well. It really should be all the way up at the top. Sorry, that was my closing thought. You can skip me later. 
Yeah, well, I, I think we're about ready to wrap it up anyway. So I'll, I'll jump right into my closing spot uh, thought as well is um, as you're going through this, I know we started talking about budgeting and the budgeting does vary. It depends on what you're at, where what you're at today and where you're going. But again, the CISO role should help you through that. They should come in and very specifically say, here's what the cost looks like today. And as they're building out the five-year plan, Matthew touched on this and so did Nate that this is what the costs look like and that includes that individual too there are things that are going to naturally change so there'll be curveballs along the way they just are right so manufacturing they had cmmc come out and everybody was gearing up and they said here it comes we've got to be ready and then they said that ah, we're going to pause we're going to revise it we're coming out with 2.0 well the companies are then looking back to the team and saying well what does that mean so budgeting then changes scope changes etc ftc says up oh, you're going this direction scope changes, budgets changed, et cetera. So again, my point is that the the CISO should be able to come in and say, this is what it looks like. Here's where we're going. That is part of the roadmap. I don't have anything to add to that. I thought that was great. Both of you. Thank you. Wonderful. Brilliant. I love <laughs> it. Well, I wanted to say um, thank you, Matthew, Nate, and Todd for joining us on our podcast today as we dove deep into the world of a virtual CISO um, and it's a great insight that you guys were able to provide. So thanks so much. But we always like to hear feedback. If you guys want to comment, subscribe, interact with us, share it, like it, everything else um, regarding our podcast, you can go out to cit-net.com backslash podcast to see this, or you can also email us at info at cit-net.com with any comments or any future podcasts you would like to hear. Um, we definitely like to keep it very educationally friendly. Um, hopefully you enjoyed today, but, and then we will also chat with you guys all next week. Thank you.